Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. This is going to be on select pathologies in the abdominal aorta. And we're not going to focus on the abdominal aorta per se, but the branch vessels off the abdominal aorta, like the celiac and SMA and renal arteries and IMA. I won't go through all of them, but I am going to cover a number of specific pathologies. Now, when I want to look at the abdominal aorta or the branch vessels off the aorta, everything is related to the acquisition. Timing is critical. Whether you use a fixed delay or bolus tracking, you need to time things correctly. Bolus tracking at the level of the diaphragm, let's say, works very nicely. And you can see when you do things correctly, 5 cc's a second, 100 cc's, you're getting an average attenuation of 500 Hounsfield units. And when you time things correctly, the opacification of the entire vessel is the same and so you don't have any streak artifacts or flow related artifacts everything looks good and so your 3d mapping looks particularly good to do this kind of imaging you need thin sections sub millimeters of 0.75 millimeters every 0.5 works very nicely and when we look at the images we're not just looking at axials but we're looking at mprs and 3d rendering including both volume rendering and mip and so when I look at diseases, and I've shown this case probably before, to make the point that the bowel is thickened and this could be compatible with Crohn's disease. And you look carefully at the images, you see that halo effect. You see significant distal bowel involvement. You see some fiber fatty proliferation. But when you go to coronal, you can see the extent better because you can look at longer loops of bowel. You can see the vasorecta and the fiber fatty proliferation better because you're looking at things in a larger field of view in that sense. And then when you take those same images, you do MIP imaging, look how nicely we see the vasorecta, the multiple small vessels, the abnormal bowel, beautifully shown with the MIP imaging. And then when you switch to volume rendering, you see the vasorecta, but also the enhancement and thickening of the patient's small bowel. And as I've mentioned before, the volume is everything. When you look at only the vessel and you're looking at axials and the vessels being partial averaged, it's very hard to get a good understanding of all the pathology. And so within the volume is significantly more information. Now specifically, we are seeing a lot of patients for SMA syndrome. Typical thing with SMA syndrome, weight loss uh, is one of the more common things and so we see it in patients with anorexia nervosa, we see it in oncology patients. Though interestingly, symptomatically, we don't see that in oncology patients all that often. It was originally described in total body casting. And what happens is the angle between the aorta and the SMA is decreased, so you compress the duodenum, which causes the duodenal obstruction and gastric outlet obstruction. And then compression of the left renal vein as it tracks across, and then you can get a nutcracker syndrome and have many things from hypertension to uh, hematuria. So magic numbers, the SMA normally is 45 degrees, but it's under 25 degrees with SMA syndrome, and in severe cases, under 10. And the distance from the aorta to SMA, which is up to 20 millimeters, is more like 2 to 8. But again, I don't use that measurement all that frequently. To me, it's all in the angle. And the thing about SMA syndrome often is not suspected. This patient had nausea and vomiting, rule out pancreatitis, rule out ulcer, rule out something. You see a markedly distended stomach and then a markedly distended duodenum. 
And as you follow the duodenum across, you can see the transition point is between the aorta and the SMA, very nicely shown on the axial and on the coronal. And then when you look at it a little bit further, you can see it very nicely there. And then when I go from coronal to sagittal, you can see the angle between the SMA and the aorta is markedly narrowed. The distance is markedly decreased. And so you're compressing the left renal vein. You're also compressing the duodenum, and in this case, obstructing the duodenum. Another example, here's a patient, distended stomach. Again, often it's gastric outlet obstruction symptoms because it sort of is gastric outlet, but it's more than the outlet. And you follow it here downward, distended bowel. And then you follow it some more, and you see the distended bowel transitions at the SMA. You see from the sagittal view, which is the critical view, the decreased angle between the aorta and the SMA. And you know you're dealing with SMA syndrome. And one last example, again, distended duodenum right in front of the, S the aorta by the SMA. And then you see it on the sagittal view. And you can see very nice transition, nicely on the MIP, the transition by the patient's SMA, which you can see there. And then again, if you look at things in multiple views, classic presentation of distended duodenum transition right by the aorta SMA junction. Very nice example axially or on the coronal views. And on the coronal view, it also gives you the sagittal view in 3D. Very nice example. And here's another case, same thing. Look at the duodenum, how it's dilated. You see the folds with cinematic rendering, and you see that transition, approximately. And you look at the sagittal views, and again, a markedly decreased angle. So that's something we need to think about. SMA syndrome is something if you forget about, you're going to be wrong in some cases, particularly patients who um, have been um, having weight loss, patients with nausea and vomiting, and you're thinking about this, you want to be very careful how you examine your patient and what things you're looking for. Now, when you look at these cinematic renderings of the SMA and celiac, it does reinforce the point, not just look at the SMA angle, but looking at the vessels is critical in detecting many pathologies from staging pancreatic cancer and vessel involvement to ischemia. So when you think about ischemia, you're talking about arterial or venous disease, and let's focus on the arterial disease. Occlusion due to atherosclerosis, occlusion due to emboli and showering of emboli from the aorta, let's say, or trauma are all possibilities. We also talk about venous disease, venous thrombosis, portal hypertension, estrogen use, but let's focus on the arterial side. What we think about as signs is minimal dilatation early on. It's not very specific. You can see bowel wall thickening, dilated mesenteric veins. You can see a hazy mesentery, a misty mesentery, whatever you'd like to call it. Then when you see intramural gas or portal venous gas, or mesenteric gas, then you know you have a significant problem. Ischemia is the complication that increases morbidity and mortality associated with SBO. The mortality rate in patients who undergo surgery for SBO with ischemic bowel is as high as 25% compared with those without strangulation, which could be as low as 2%. 
When ischemia is, is suspected, immediate surgery is required to avoid transmural necrosis and perforation. So you could see this is a serious situation. Although surgery should be considered first in the presence of bowel infarction, conservative management without anticoagulant therapy has had good outcomes. So there's lots of debate, and the question is how specific can you be about separating ischemia from uh, uh, spontaneous dissection? So there's all sorts of issues to consider, and something that becomes very important in that regard. Now, we talk about also... Um, with ischemic bowel, right? You know, what is it that you're doing? Again, you hate to operate on these patients, but if you need to, you need to. What are you looking for? We're looking at the vessels, occlusion versus stenosis versus collaterals. We're looking for fluid around the bowel, particularly a misty mesentery. We're looking for things that suggest infarcted bowel, uh, portal venous air, pneumatosis, and colon. Not very common, but something you don't want to see, but something you need to be looking for. Now, when you look at the atherosclerotic disease, it's very much the same. The sagittal views are critical. So you look at this sagittal view, calcified plaque and non-calcified plaque in the SMA and calcified plaque in the patient's celiac. The sagittal view nicely allows you to organize it, think about it, help define degree of stenosis because just an axial is not going to do it. We also know with occlusion of the SMA, it can be proximal. Here, there's occlusion extending from the proximal aorta into the SMA and down the SMA. And you can see it very nicely here. We can see this with procedures, with some of the hypercoagulability states. That's when it's not uncommon. And we've seen this a number of times now. And here's just a good example of the MIP showing you the lack of flow in the proximal SMA. Very nice visualizations. Now, I show you this because one thing I always like to remind people is when you look at the SMA, you need to look at the entire SMA. Most people look at the proximal vessels and say things look good. But if you look at this nest example, proximal SMA looks wonderful. No disease. Then distally, as it bifurcates near the ileal vessels, look at that filling defect there. There's a thrombus in the vessel. Now, if you didn't look carefully, here it is in 3D, you would have missed it, okay? Because there's no calcified plaque. The vessel looks so good. What am I doing with a thrombus distally? Well, those things happen. But you need to be really, really careful because if not, you can miss these. And I've seen many of them missed, like this case, for ischemia was read as negative, and you look at the SMA, it looks good, but only when you look distally in the SMA did you see the clot. And this is an outside scan, and if they were done sagittal views, SMA looks great two-thirds of the way. The last third is what's going to kill the patient, because then you see evidence of thrombus in the SMA, and the vessel is going to be occluded. Just a very nice example. Now, we also look at bowel. We talk about hyperenhancement. We talk about hypoenhancement. This was like a non-contrast CT, but it was a contrast scan. The bowel loops are dilated. They're just not doing well. They're not enhancing. Um, you could see that when you look closely at this patient's sagittal view, the patient has occlusion of the SMA just beyond the origin of the vessel. That's impressive occlusion. And this clot was removed surgically, and here's the patient a week later. So detecting the clot, defining the clot, and helping manage the clot all becomes very, very critical that regard. Now, when you look again at this case, 
See the SMA proximally looks great, but just see the distal portion of the SMA is occluded. Patient has thickening of the transverse colon consistent with ischemic colitis. And again, you could see here on the 3D, there's the abrupt cutoff of the vessel, the sagittal, when you see it through the center of the vessel, you see the abrupt cutoff, and then you see reconstitution of flow distally. But that is going to be a problem for the patient. And so this is the kind of thing you need to detect and need to detect early. And this is just to remind me to remind you, as I said a moment ago, you gotta look at the entire vessel because you can see the case I showed you we always think clot's proximal. This is distal. What's distal? We're talking about really distal bowel. You need to look at everything, okay? You can't assume a thrombus is not there if you don't examine the bowel very, very carefully. Okay. One of the other things we look at is this example, which shows you why you don't want to do non-contrast routinely. Vague abdominal pain was read as negative. With contrast, there is the section in the patient's SMA, very nicely seen. And here it is in the sagittal view. Very impressive focal dissection in the SMA. Patient's uh, celiac looks okay. Here's some of the branches and beating and focal dissection of distal branches off the SMA. Again, very nicely shown. Now, intimal flap. Thrombose, false lumen, and aneurysm dilatation, most common CT findings in terms of splenic artery dissection. And with aneurysms, you want to be thinking about the process that you're dealing with, what the various possibilities are, and then whether your case matches those possibilities. I think it can be a challenge sometimes. Some of the thoracic cases are the hardest cases we see and decisions need to be correct. Now, one other thing with the SMA is you can see dissection, isolated and combined aortic, extending into the SMA, is the most common type of visceral artery dissection. Elderly males or older males, 50 to 70. Um, again, abdominal pain, weight loss, and the like are all gonna be possible. People talk about four types of dissection. I just wanna pick out one, but Type 1 through type 4, you can see it here in read. And when we talk about SMA, we always talk about what does the emergency room doc need to know? MR, direct visualization, direct findings, direct management, uh, CVDL, certain advantages from the stent side. But again, we are the diagnostic realm of things, and so it's better to be within diagnostic, and then when there's need for therapeutic intervention, uh, that works out very nicely as well. And here's just a nice example of SMA dissection in a patient with low Dietz. You can see very nicely the focal dissection, nicely shown. And here, another example, but here the SMA is dissected. What a great look into that. Now again, most of the time I see SMA dissection, it's abdominal aorta tracking into the SMA, but this is a good example of that not being the case. And here's another example of where the dissection goes into the SMA. So now you have the SMA dissection because of the aortic dissection. So you could see things three different ways, and we do end up seeing all of them. Now I should mention when I talk about the SMA, SMA aneurysms, most, third most common visceral artery aneurysm, usually men in their 50s, about half the patients present with rupture with mortality rate of 30%. SMA aneurysms can be detected it's one of the causes of abdominal pain. 
we talk about true aneurysms versus pseudoaneurysm. True aneurysms, uh, weakening of all three layers of the aorta without rupture, incidental or continuous finding. Okay. And then you look at the uh, CT um, for SMA aneurysms, and you recognize detecting the aneurysm, defining extent, defining the extent of the aneurysm all becomes very, very critical. Uh, we talk about SMA aneurysms being more common now, but they're usually very small, and there's no stenting done in many of the cases. Um, so it really is a challenge and an important diagnosis, but maybe not as critical as some of the other diagnoses. We talk about examples, and here's an SMA aneurysm. This is a patient with Lowy's Dietz. That's probably the largest aneurysm I've seen of the SMA, and I've seen two cases like that. Just amazing uh, subset of population of patients. But you can see the size of that SMA aneurysm. Here you can see another example with a partially calcified SMA aneurysm, and another example with a uh, incidental aneurysm found. And you can see very nicely the 3D mapping and its relationship to the SMA and its branches, the importance of being able to really create a differential diagnosis and understand some of the special things these patients are going to get is very critical. So with that, let's take a break there and let's pick it up with SMA vasculitis. And I'll be right back. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website, ctss.com, for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.